I have always said that when you first meet somebody, you're not actually meeting them. You're meeting their representative. Hey everybody, welcome to Crime Over Cocktails. I'm Tiffany, your host, and today we're going to cover the case of Tanya Petro and Ron Paletto. While I'm going to admit I need a little hair of the dog, I do believe I had a little much, a little too much fun in the sun this weekend. So some Mick Ultra is where we're going tonight. <laughs> Tanya Petro was 33 and a single mother of two children, and she was trying, the rest of us are trying to do, she's trying to survive. Tanya was just a really genuinely nice and giving person. She'd give you the shirt right off of her back if you needed it. She was just very sweet. She moved to South Carolina for a fresh start after the split from her children's father, Kevin, and moved into Lake Elsinore. They had broken up while she was still pregnant due to him starting to get mentally and physically abusive. She started to go to school to become a surgical nurse, but that school ended up closing its doors and she couldn't find any other school that would take the credits. So she ended up getting a job at the local convenience store. Becky Hill was a coworker at the store and they became very close, fast friends. They actually even became neighbors. They spent a lot of time with each other and they talked to each other practically every single day. Night While she was working the store, she stepped outside to feed some of the cats that had been hanging out in the area. She asked if she could take like a little 15 and decided that, you know, she just wanted to make sure that they weren't going to starve. She loved animals. While she was outside, that's when she meets Ron Gibson. He was walking up to the store and he saw her putting out food, but there's no animals out there. So he kind of asked her like, uh, what you doing? And she told him she just wanted to make sure they had something to eat. And so he reached into his backpack and took out a couple pieces of tuna and threw them out for them and said, you know, hopefully this will bring them over here. And at that point, you know, she was just smitten. Somebody else was kind and thought of animals. He asked her if she would like to go get a bite to eat. Definitely was hesitant. She didn't really date much. You know, her, her kids were her life. She didn't get many breaks. So she told him that, you know, she was actually working, but she was on a break. So he offered to take her out after her shift. But she told him that, you know, she was a single mom and she can't get sitters that easy. Well, it turned out that Ron also was a single parent of three girls. He was very nice and funny and he worked in construction. So she thought he must be a really hard worker and a good provider. She really thought it was attractive that he was a single parent of three girls. She thought, wow, you know, this guy, not many people can do that. That's, that's great. So when he asked her again, are you sure you can't get away? Are you sure you can't get a babysitter? She this time said, eh, let me work on it. Three days later was their first date. Over dinner, they talked to get to know each other. She told him that she had gone through a bad breakup just about four months prior he also shares that his ex, Renee, was in and out of jail and that it's been really tough on his girls and that they actually, they, that they need a mother figure. By them sharing stories, they were starting to share a common ground. They both understood what it was like to be single parents. And she found that very attractive that he was able to hold his own. They decided after a few dates that they wanted to bring the families together since the kids were close in age. It started to move rather quickly, but in the moment, it just felt right for them. 
You know, she was happy. They were having family dinners. He would even cook sometimes. The kids would all play in the yard. It was like a picture-perfect family. Unfortunately, though, it wasn't that long into the relationship until Tanya's friends started to see some red flags. One day, Becky was outside doing yard work, and Ron and Tanya's son were out there throwing the football back and forth. And when he went to throw it to the son, he didn't catch it. And I guess apparently this really upset Ron, you know, started the whole, he started to belittle him and call him names and say things like, you know, can you do anything right? What do you mean you can't catch a ball? Becky said that after that, she washed off for everything. She wanted to make sure that her friend was going to be okay because it just seemed like he had became very angry overnight. Two months in, Tanya's still happy. But she is noticing that he's getting more and more controlling and that he would act out over little things that he did not need to act out about. Little things, small things. One night, they had Tracy, her sister, and Becky over for dinner and drinks. Tanya went and made another round of drinks for everybody. And when she came back, she handed them all out. And when she gave him his drink, he just flipped out out of like nowhere. And the reason why was because there was a lemon instead of a lime. And I believe he said something to the fact, like, is she colorblind or do you not know what color a lemon or a lime is? And then just stormed off into another room. He was starting to turn into a different person. He just, he turned mean. You know, I said it in the beginning about the representative. And what I've always said is, when you first meet somebody, you don't really truly meet them. You meet the representative. Everybody wants to come off good. I mean, I don't believe I'm fake. Um, I might try to not cuss as much or, <laughs> you know, something of that nature. But to some people, to people who have a darker side, absolutely. And I always said the truth really starts to come out usually around two to three months of the relationship. They're starting to get comfortable. And this is when the true them starts to come out. Her friends and family, they're, they're getting worried because it was clear to them that Ron, he actually like enjoyed putting people down. It made him feel good. Becky could sometimes hear them yelling or slamming doors over at her house. Tanya also started to notice that he wasn't as much of a poor single father that he claimed to be. His kids were mostly with his parents. He never had them. Since he is in construction, you know, sometimes they get laid off here and there from their construction jobs. So when he wasn't working, all he wanted to do was just drink all day. You know, his, his job, it wasn't dependable. December 20th of 2010, Tanya calls her sister to ask her for some advice. She doesn't know what to do anymore. She's over the tension and the walking around on eggshells. She said that she felt like she was back with Kevin. Her sister told her to leave him, but she just couldn't walk away yet. As Christmas gets closer and things start to go back to normal, they're having family time again. And he's being good with her kids. He asked her to come to a birthday party in Landers with him. That was for one of his daughters. But unfortunately, that would be short-lived. He was helping her son with homework, and she could hear him slapping her son when he got a question wrong. And that's when she fucking threw him out. Like, you gotta go. That, that was it. She kicked him out, and on his way out the door, he looked at her, and he told her, you're gonna regret this. January 2011, it's been probably around two weeks, 
And he starts sending her the I'm sorry flowers and the gifts at the door. At this time, she actually has both exes trying to woo her. I mean, get it, girl. Her ex, Kevin, and him. I mean, <laughs> I guess, I mean, they're not really winners, so maybe not. But, you know, so now she's fighting off two people that she does not want anything to do with. She just wants a happy, calm, fun life. That's, that's all she wants. One day while she's home, she catches Ron coming through her window at the house and freaks out, of course. I was like, what the fuck are you? You're not supposed to be here. And he said, you know, he just happened to be in the neighborhood and he wanted to get his stuff. She hands him over the box, which was everything she had from him, and then tells him that there were Christmas presents in the box for his kids. He told her that they really missed her and convinced her to go with him to do the birthday party. Tanya still had their Christmas presents since they had broken up before she could give it to them personally because of the fight. So, you know, he's like, why don't you give it to them? This is this way you can say goodbye. You can hand them the gifts and then you can come home. And she's like, okay, well, if I go, I can't stay long because she had to get her kids the next morning from Kevin. And he agreed. He said, look, we'll go when you want to go. So she starts to get ready and she receives a phone call from her sister. Ron decides that he's going to pick it up. And she tells him to tell her that her mother had put $6,000 into her bank account to help her with the kids for shopping and everything like that. And he's okay. I will give her the message. Okay. First of all, why in the hell would you do that? Hey, have my sister call me when she's got a minute. Okay. No, 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 <laughs> no. It's a two hour trip to Landers where they were going for the party. And after driving some time, he makes an unexpected stop. He tells her that the plans have changed and he starts choking her out in the car and pulls over to an ATM and demanded that she pulled out every last cent. He wanted everything that her mother gave. They get back in the car. After she gets what she can, takes her to an abandoned house that was absolutely secluded. There's nothing around it. And he starts unraveling. She could tell that he had to have been under the influence of narcotics and that he hasn't slept because literally just he's starting to lose it as time goes on. He starts to tell her that the house they're in right now could have been theirs. They could have been a happy family. You know, she ruined it all. So she tries to flip the switch and she starts to tell him that she does love him and she wants to make this work. But clearly, I guess he's not that fucked up because he ends up slapping her and asked her, like, do you think I'm stupid? And then he tells her that it didn't matter, though, because now she was his and he was never letting her go. I don't know how I would feel if those were somebody's words to me. Um, panicked. That's that's a start. As they sit in the home, he just continues to unravel. After one full day of not talking to Tanya, Becky got worried. They talked every day. So she calls her sister Tracy and says, hey, I haven't heard from her. Have you heard from her? And she's like, actually, I haven't talked to her in three days. So on January 7, 2011, her sister and Becky, they go to the police station to report her missing. But the officer that was working the desk that day didn't take her seriously. And he was like, look, lady, you know, maybe she wanted away from the kids. Send her away. A few days later, Sergeant Pat Chevez finally takes the case and calls her sister in for questioning and asked her if she knew a man named Ron Paletto. She didn't know the name. She said that she's never heard it. She didn't recognize it. 
But then the sergeant took out a picture and said, do you recognize this man? And even though she has no idea who that name is, she knew that picture. That was Ron. That was Ron Gibson. Turns out he gave Tanya a fake last name. The real Ron was a registered sex offender for acts on a minor under 14. They now know she's in serious danger. On January 10, 2011, it's been six days after she's been missing. Her sister goes to her apartment and just starts looking through the place. She finds directions to the party that her and Ron were supposed to be going to. So she goes, picks up Becky, and the two drive the two hours to the home. A man answered the door and he said that he hasn't seen Tanya, but he did see Ron a few days earlier, but told them that he was alone and he had called him because he needed a jump over by an old abandoned house that they used to go to to hang out sometimes just for fun. They got the address and they went to the house and looked around and they saw what looked like blood on a mattress. They have a bad feeling about this. It's not until the police search the property, they find a shallow grave with her boot sticking out of it. 24 hours after the bolo, he was arrested in front of his mother-in-law's house. He was found and arrested on suspicion of violating the requirements of a sex offender registration. He was not found to be living at the address the authorities had on file to notify them of an address change. At the station, they changed gears and started to ask about Tanya. He told the police that they were on their way up to the birthday party and they got in a fight. So on the way there, he said he just left her on the side of the highway, Highway 74, at a gas station. He has no idea what happened to her from there. After a few nights at the house, the cops were able to piece together what happened with Tanya. And after a few nights at the house, he starts to beat her and then decides that he's going to make her take a long walk and asked her to carry a shovel with him while they walk. She was exhausted, absolutely exhausted. He then made her to start dig a hole. When she saw an opportunity, she tried to hit him with the shovel and he did like back off and everything. Why, why, why on earth she threw the shovel and ran is beyond me. But so clearly he's going to get the shovel and he caught up to her. He hit her over the head with it and then he smashed her throat with the shovel. She still had dirt in her lungs, which means she was still alive when he buried her. He was arrested for murder and for not registering as a sex offender. But seven months after being arrested, he committed suicide by hanging himself in his cell. Takes the easy way out. That shit pisses me off. I know people say, you know, well, you don't have to pay for them. But I think death is too quick. You need to sit there and think about what you did for all those years. I'll pay for your ramen noodles. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Don't forget all the ways you can get your crime fix. Pandora, iHeartRadio, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Don't forget, I'm going to start making my after hour edition. While you're there, make sure to like, follow, and subscribe or give that five-star rating. You can head over to crimeovercocktails.com. If you would like to help support the show, check out my Patreon page where you can score yourself some free merch and check out some of the extras that are being added as we speak. I will again let you guys know when I have it all up and running. It is a work in progress, but I will have an after hours edition for every episode that I have done where I like to give you my thoughts on the case and they are unscripted and they are not edited so we shall see
<laughs> so make sure you come and check it out and get your nightcap with me. All right, everybody. We'll talk crime another time. Thanks. Bye.